Welcome to Cat Chat, the pet talk podcast devoted to the physical and emotional well-being of cats and their people. I'm Tracy Hotchner, the author of The Cat Bible, Everything Your Cat Expects You to Know. My mission is to entertain, educate, and inspire cat lovers like you to give your kitty cats the best possible life in nutrition, affection, and environmental enrichment. My co-host is the feline expert, Dr. Michael Maria Delgado, along with other cat authors and experts. The show is brought to you with the generous support of Dr. Elsie's, a company privately owned by Dr. Bruce Elsie, a feline-only veterinarian whose mission has been to personally formulate a wide variety of litters for all types of cats, so they keep using their litter box, which keeps them in their loving homes. Dr. Elsie also created his own cat food, Clean Protein, wet and dry foods that are specifically appropriate for a cat's nutrition needs because they're based on the protein a cat eats naturally. Clean Protein is the first dry cat food I can recommend because it's based on the protein found in a cat's natural prey. Dr. Elsie's is also the founding and continuing sponsor of my New York Cat Film Festival which brings together short films from around the world that celebrate kitty cats. It would be impossible for me to bring this delightful joy to people without Dr. Elsie's generosity. The 5th Annual New York Cat Film Festival will premiere this fall in New York City and then travel to theaters across America and Canada, with a portion of every ticket going to local cat welfare organizations. Please show your appreciation of Dr. Elsie's support by choosing their products whenever you can. I am so thrilled and delighted to meet DJ Bornshine. He lives on the Jersey Shore or in Asbury Park, New Jersey, and is the founder and president of a wonderful rescue called Catsbury Park. But I learned about it because he is the first recipient or one of the very first recipients of a grant from Mission Meow, which is an amazing nonprofit that I am proud to be a partner of and very excited to learn how good works are being done on behalf of cats through Mission Meow. DJ, I was thrilled to find out, because with DJ as your initials and your name, I didn't know if you were going to be male or female, that you are another really cool cat daddy. That's becoming part of our society, that very cool guys are part of cats instead of it just being crazy cat ladies. Or I'm sure people must mention that to you from time to time. Very often, very often, yeah, it comes comes up fairly often. It's so funny that, that we, you know, in a time when we're supposed to be like so, you know, oh, everybody's the same, we really do think yeah. of the people dedicated to the last hour of their day to cat rescue as being female. So I'm sure that was never really the case. It was just sort of a, a kind of a cliche. Casbury yeah. Park is quite an extraordinary organization. You have a beautiful website. And I saw that you were, you first started in 2017. So this is not a brand new idea of yours. What was it about living where you live that inspired you to make your very own cat rescue? Um. I don't. I don't know that it necessarily has anything to do with um, the area. Actually, so I was born and raised in in the at the Jersey Shore, um, but I did live in San Francisco for a number of years. And the idea actually came to me while living in San Francisco. Um, so <laughs> it wasn't specific to this Got area, it. but I knew. But, but but I knew that I wanted to do it. 
um, here. So it was an idea I had while living in San Francisco. Um, I knew that I was, at the time, I was only going to be living there temporarily. I knew that I would eventually wind up back home in Jersey. Um, yeah, and I don't, I, you know, it kind of was an idea that I thought it would be kind of a hobby, something I would do to help a couple cats here and there. Um, and then Whoops. it grew fairly quickly <laughs> into, a, you know, a, a fairly large-sized you know, organization and operation that, you know, is a more than full-time thing for me now. I can see that because you not only do TNR, which means having lots of volunteers who help you trap and then find vets who will kindly spay and neuter and vaccinate and microchip sometimes, not always, at, at a reduced fee and then put them back and then have to maintain a colony. But you also have a cat lounge, like a cat cafe, and you do a lot of adoption. So that's like three yeah. different things you're doing, all, of course, on behalf of cats. When yeah. did you get more ambitious? I mean, was TNR your first idea and then no, you morphed? The, yeah, the TNR came much, much later. Um, the initial idea was just to have a cat cafe um, in my hometown of Asbury Park, New Jersey. Um, like I said, I was living in San Francisco and I had, I thought, you know, that cat cafes started popping up. This is probably 2015 or something. Um, they started popping up all over the place and it just seemed like such a, I loved cats and, you know, wanted to do some work with cats. And it just seemed like a very cool and positive thing to bring to my hometown, which, um, for those people who don't know much about Asbury Park, they probably know Bruce Springsteen, and that's about it. Um, <laughs> well, that's a lot, right? <laughs> yeah, in the past 20 years, it's, it, the city has completely changed. 20 years ago, there was you wouldn't want to walk down the street here. There was no thriving businesses. There was very few people that lived here, and now it's, you know, it's, it's a very nice, um, wonderful place to live with bars and restaurants and art galleries. They did a really wonderful job of bringing the city back. Um, so it, you know, that combined with wanting to help cats, it just seemed like a right, the right time and thing to do. So we, um, I founded Catsbury, we opened the cat cafe. And then until COVID, we were kind of just a cat cafe. We would work with some local shelters and help them with their overpopulation by pulling cats and bringing them into right. the cat cafe, getting them adopted. And then COVID happened. And obviously we couldn't operate. We closed our physical location and um you know like everyone i had a tremendous amount of free time uh <laughs> for two two years and there wasn't a lot to do and um at you know the previous couple years catsbury had grown a fairly large social media following um so we were getting and again every, everyone was home right and everyone right. was just more aware of things in their home area than they probably were otherwise. So we started to get a large number of emails and DMs through social media and stuff about, hey, there's kittens in my backyard. There's a cat in my oh. backyard. I found this, you know, more. We used to always get those kind of messages and we would just delegate them out to, you know, either the local SPCA or other, you know, kind of TNR organizations that we might have known about. But, um, now, all of a sudden, I'm getting all these messages and I'm sitting home with nothing to do. And I thought, well, the most kind of social distance activity is being out in the woods trying to trap a cat by myself. 
So um, I started doing that. And then, no you know, kidding. the more the more I would post about it, the more calls you'd get, you know, that it, it's a snowball effect. So, yes. you know, somebody sees a cat in their backyard and they don't really know what to do about it. So they just kind of don't do anything. But then a couple of days later, they might follow Catsbury Park and they see me in somebody's backyard trapping a cat. And they're like, oh, we have a cat in our backyard. Maybe this guy will help us. So um, I think the first summer of COVID, I TNR'd like 300 cats. Wow. Um, just by myself. Um, Whoa. That's I, a huge uh, number, DJ. That's a huge yeah. number. I think... One part of your story that's really important to note is that you say, as though it just happened by itself, well, we got this good social media following. So in addition to having opened the Cat Cafe and then having to temporarily close it and then becoming a really prolific cat trapper rescuer yourself, you must have been doing some magic with social media. People have, people who aren't professionals and and don't recognize that social media isn't just something that quote unquote happens virally. It has to be fed and nurtured and groomed social media like it's an animal. So you must have been really good at that. Or did you have some sidekick who was the guru of that? Um, yeah, I mean, I think I definitely got it um, personally, but also um, my partner at the time in Catsbury. Um, a wonderful woman from Australia who's no longer with Catsbury, but um, she was with us for about five years. She she moved back to Australia. Oh, um, she was also very she was also very good with social media. So, you know, um, that's something I kind of recognized early on. I mean, I think it helps that I feel like I'm maybe a little bit younger than a lot of the people yes. involved in in rescue, um, especially when Catsbury first started. I was in my early to mid thirties. Um, so I was a little bit younger than, you know, I would say that probably most people running rescues, foster based rescues and, and TNR people that skew a little bit older, sometimes um, retired. Right. I mean, yeah, yeah. You yeah, were exactly. starting was, out you know, a profession a of, and they're, they're at the exactly. tail end. Yeah. So I think I was a little bit younger. So I was just a little bit more social media savvy. And I realized that, you know, with working with a lot of these, you know, county shelters and stuff that we work with. It's like their social media and web presence was awful. Terrible. And I was like, there's yep. like, this is a wonderful facility. There's wonderful people who, you know, work here. That's right. Um, just, you know, painting a broad stroke of, you sure. know, Understandably. shelter we want. No, 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 nothing, no one specific, but like this, walk into a place, you know, like this is a nice facility. There's wonderful cats here, super adoptable social cats. But like, they're not, promoting it i mean i don't like to look at this as a business because it's not a business in terms of like i'm trying to you know uh, i'm not it, but you have to kind of treat it almost from a view of an entrepreneur totally i'm not trying to grow it for my own personal gain but you're trying to build your business and scale it for the benefit of the cat so um i just kind of recognized early on it's like the 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 a lot of the people in cat rescue, like they have no idea how to kind of use the modern tools to really grow what they're doing. And then you see some of them, these shelters and rescues try and do that, but their websites, the pictures are blurry and the, the, you know what I mean? It, it's just, 
Well, so, I think what we're talking about is also yeah. bandwidth. I mean, you describe it really well. When we talk about county shelters, they can barely keep up with keeping cages clean, bringing in animals, Absolutely. segregating the ones that are sick. They don't. There are no county funds in a place that even has a decent or very good shelter to pay somebody as a social media person because someone has to be paid to do that unless they're you. The juggler, right? The The typical entrepreneur is a juggler who wears many hats. And that's exactly your DNA. And if you have an Australian partner or somebody's, you know, uh, nephew, uncle, what have you, who says, hey, I'll do that part for you, you're going to do it yourself. And I think that's yeah. as we get around to how you got the Mission Meow grant and what you're using it for, I think the important thing to realize is that it it is a business, but as I said, it's more like an animal. Needs grooming, needs feeding, needs nurturing. Yeah, no, good, needs, yeah, you know, I, I think of it that way. Like a living, breathing thing is a rescue that, that operates with in many different areas as you do. So how did you find out that Mission Meow gave grants? And and you must have had to know how to fill in a grant proposal. I mean, they don't fool around. Well, a lot so, of serious yeah, questions. So, so um, Sally, the founder of and um, president of Mission Meow, um, has actually been involved with Casper Park since the very beginning. So, oh. um, yeah, we we you had an you had a, an inside track to know that there were going to be I grants. Did. I had I, I, ha I had an in. Um, Sally has always been a, a, a wonderful champion of Catsbury Park um, since day one. Um, Sally used to, um, forgive me, Sally, if you still do, but I know she was, you know, doing um, cat behavioral consultation and stuff right. like that, helping people. Um, I don't know that she does that anymore. She may. Um, but really early on when, when the word got out that Catsbury Park was opening a cat cafe in Asbury Park, she had reached out to me and said how you know, that she was a cat she was a cat advocate in the area and she would love to meet and she was excited to hear about what we were doing and at the time she was also running a, a different nonprofit called the right. fund which gave yeah um grants to people who had animals who were diagnosed with cancer a wonderful organization did amazing work so um you know we we met up this must have been 2017 and and then ever since then um She's been steadily involved in, in Catsbury Park, whether that was helping us if we had cats with behavioral issues, she would come do work with them or just simple volunteering or fundraising or whatever. She's just always been, you know, uh, like I said, a champion of, of, of what we were doing. So well, in the um, same way that you're an entrepreneur, I call her a serial entrepreneur of philanthropy, a serial philanthropist, yeah, exactly. because she yeah. she switched from the Brody Fund to Mission Meow and put all of that energy and knowledge into identifying cat-centric groups that were doing really good work in all the right ways, but could benefit from a, a big cash infusion, not the tens and fifteens of dollars, which are so welcome at every cat rescue I've ever been involved with. The Cat Film Festival, if we don't do well in a town and I can only send them say 20 or 30 dollars as their 10 percent of the 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 ticket sales i get handwritten thank you notes it, it breaks my heart i like i wish i could give you 10 times more or 20 times more and they're like no you know what every single nickel counts so 
what is it that your grant asks for and what are you doing with the money that you got from Mission Meow? And just to remind people, if you give your 10 or $15 and you love cats to Mission Meow, their Sally and her team of board of directors is going to look into the various grant applicants who have something like Casbury Park and find out what do they need a chunk of money for so they can put a chunk of money towards something more substantial. So what are you going to use yours for DJ? So um, it came, so let me rewind a little bit. So obviously we closed, like I said, we closed our cafe because our, our cat lounge due to COVID um, last, just about a year ago. So last spring we opened a new temporary location Um so kind of Catsbury 2.0 coming out of right. COVID. But it was super small, and I knew it wasn't a long-term solution, but it was kind of a stopgap coming out of COVID until we could, um, you know, uh, raise the funds and kind of just get back in, on our feet. And then uh, I had planned that in 2023, we would try and find a more permanent location that was better suited in terms of building layout and all, all those sort of things. Right. Um, it just so happened, as as they do um, sometimes in life, that the universe presents you with an opportunity <laughs> when right when you need it. Um, the other tenant in this little warehouse space that we were renting um, left, and the landlord came to us and and said, "Hey, you know, basically your your neighbor is is leaving. If you're interested in the taking over the entire building." Um, you know, obviously it behooves him, the landlord, to just have us expand and to find another tenant, but it couldn't have come at a better time. So, you know, we went from what we're currently in is about 900 square feet, which is entirely too small to do what we want to do long term. But the other side of the building is an additional 2,000 square feet wow. with storage and, and all this sort of stuff. So, um, I, you know, obviously I jumped at the opportunity and we... Um, so now we're in close to 3000 square foot space with that comes complete renovation needs to be done and, and right. all this sort of work. And right at that time, Sally had approached me about the Brody fund and that she was doing this thing. And then she thought that, you know, we would be a great fit and we should apply. And, and, and then I shared with her that, you know, because, um, I think we one of the cool things about Mission Meow, and I think that's the main part of this conversation, is that they're not just giving $2,000, $5,000, $10,000 kind of willy-nilly to Correct. an organization just because they like it. There needs to be a specific need, right? So um, we have a very specific need in that we are uh, building a adoption center and wow. um, basically basically a cat rescue kind of headquarters. Um, so, it, you know, right within, a, a, you know, a couple of weeks of me or us rather getting the keys to the building and having this opportunity to uh, build Catsbury Park in our own vision in the way that will be most efficient and functional for, for our operation and for, for cat rescue, um, we were we were gifted this grant. So, uh, it's pretty it's, fantastic. It's, I mean, it yeah, is it, pretty interesting about the universe because you can say that people make their own luck. And certainly you're out there and you put yourself out there and 
you're a guy that crawled around in the bushes for 300 cats and many uh, many yeah. of many hours are spent not just 300 not one hour per cat it could be a lot more yeah so you paid your dues i mean you were on your hands and knees and and yet when you stood up the universe said okay dj how about take 900 feet and triple it that's kind of yeah. amazing and then that this woman sally williams who has these visions of her own, right? She probably thought, well, this is the perfect place to give my first big grant because I know how good it's going to be because I've seen its earlier iteration and I know how dedicated DJ is and the people that you've surrounded yourself with. It's a pretty wonderful story. Um, did getting the grant or has getting the grant um, encouraged other people in your community to give you more? Like, you, how much was the grant? I'm allowed to ask because it's all public information. It's a nonprofit. <laughs> yeah, it was uh, $10,000. Kind of beautiful. So if the people locally say, wow, a very serious philanthropic, you know, grant for 10 grand, did it, do you think it loosened other people's pocketbooks to feel that they were contributing to something of more substance or more seriousness? Yeah, I would think so for sure. Um, yeah, I mean, we we even did a little um, like Mission Meow Catsbury kind of joint fundraising event to kind of get people get the word out of like kind of what Mission Meow was and right. and what they're doing and kind of like let people know, like you said, that you know every ten dollars, every five dollars, every young kid that puts you know, two singles in a yes. donation jar yes. at an event that we do, you know, it's, it's all helpful. And it's, it, it, we don't function without that. That's right. Um, but, but I think that if you're a donor, if you're somebody who is, uh, who likes to donate to things that you believe in and, and, you know, oftentimes I'm sure, 90% of the people listening to this podcast and yourself have, have donated to something in their life. Right. So I hope so. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, it's a, it's, it's a big difference to put $5 in a donation jar and just be like, well, that money went to a place or an, or a, or a mission that I believe in versus kind of, I think seeing it firsthand, like what, being a part of that, you know what I mean? Yes. So I think that, I, I think I'm, that really, if I'm explaining it. No, you're explaining it really uh, well. And right it's, it isn't to stop people from sending the 20 bucks through PayPal, but there's something yeah. about giving 20 bucks every time you see something heartrending on social media, because we're back to that, right? Um, yeah. Or, and thinking, well, I'm sure that helps some, and it makes me feel better for a moment to know that I feel really bad about that you know, cat that got squashed under a car or those seven kittens that all need to be bottle fed. It's more a sense of being something of more permanence, of more substance, of, because I have to say this, which isn't to, you know, rattle anybody's cage, but there are very small rescues, cat and dog, that are started by one or two people with the best of intentions, and they kind of fall apart. They fall apart because it's really hard to do. It's really hard to be a legal nonprofit. There's a lot of yeah. legal work and paperwork and forms to fill out. And you have to manage volunteers and you have to manage fosters and you have to manage cash flow. 
And for one or two people to be able to stain that over a long period of time, the ones who do it, and there are many who do it well, I'm in awe because they're also, sometimes they often still are working and they might have an actual human family and those obligations. But it's, it's, it's a little precarious for a lot of them. There was a, a very famous one in Chicago and, and a, a number of other places in Los Angeles where people thought they were giving money. And even in the Hamptons, in Southampton, we all would give 25 or 50 or even $100 to the lady who was taking in dogs and cats into her home, only to have the home burned down because it was a hoarding situation and none of us had ever seen it. And yeah, yeah. it was completely unsafe in any way. And then you feel like, well, maybe it's not a good idea to donate. I should know better about the place I'm donating to, but how can you? So I think what Mission Meow is doing is really taking those organizations that have the wherewithal to fill in a grant proposal and say, I need $6,000 for more dens or TNR traps or to, to open a spay-neuter clinic on Saturdays and Sundays, or in your case, to turn a raw space into a, a state-of-the-art cat cafe and cat rescue and adoption place. So I think you are certainly a flag waver for the value of crowdsourcing, because that's really what we're talking about. If the crowd yeah. all throws some money in the hat, then that hat overflows with money, and it's going to be monitored by Mission Meow. It's going to be parsed out and thought about, and the grant proposals will be evaluated and they'll be investigated. So I think it's marvelous what you're doing and great that you're such an important part of Mission Meow's mission. I'm very proud to be part of it, but it makes me really oh, proud you. to find me out that, that someone like you who, you know, is doing something unusual with your life and, and making such good things happen for so many people and so many kitties. Uh, I think it's really quite wonderful. And I salute you, DJ, and Catsbury Park. Thank you. And, and Thank wish, you so much. can't wait to see the photos of your finished product when you, when you, uh, t when you t open the doors into the great new Catsbury Park. So thanks for being here. Hopefully, and thanks hopefully, for hopefully your hard sooner work. Than later. Um, yeah, hopefully sooner than later. You know how long these uh, construction projects Absolutely, but with you at the helm, I'm sure you're cracking the whip as, as charmingly as possible and getting it done. I'm trying my best. Yeah, Wonderful. a lot of smiles over at Town Hall for sure. <laughs> well, thank you for being here and thank you for the great work you're doing. Take care. Of course. Thank you so much. Thanks for listening. And I also want to thank Wonderside for their support. It's a company founded and run by a woman entrepreneur who wanted to find an effective way to keep fleas, ticks, and other pests away from her pets and home instead of putting toxic chemicals in or on them. Wonderside makes plant-powered products to keep parasites at bay without dousing your cats and property with ingredients that are harmful to them and the planet. A final pause up to Dr. Elsie's for all the fine products they make and their unwavering support of my mission to make life better for each and every kitty cat and their people. If you have cat problems or questions you'd like me to talk about on the show, please write me to Tracy at TracyHotchnerPets.com.